The following is audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you would like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org. All right, so we are, uh, as I mentioned, we're in our series on the Gospel of Mark. And today we're going to be looking at at a certain healing that takes place, and it seems a little bit different than what's taken place before. And this is actually a, a pivot moment for the ministry of Jesus. So up to this point, Jesus has just been doing ministry in and around um, Galilee. So he's kind of been local. All right, so I don't know if any of you are uh, appreciative of the, uh, the rock and pop bands that have you know come before us, but if anyone's a Beatles fan, we, when we think of the Beatles... We think of John Paul, George, and Ringo, maybe definitely the most influential rock band of all time. But we can forget about the fact that there was a point in their career where they were literally just a local band in Liverpool playing to nobody. Right? And so it's, it, but then they, they had this like moment where they, people started to hear about them. And so what, what's interesting is even though Jesus, he's been doing ministry, he's already started his ministry, he's called disciples to himself, but this ministry or this, this event that takes place here at the end of Mark chapter 1 is the moment that there seems to be this pivot and this notoriety really starts to grow. And people are starting to hear about him outside of this region and they're, they're flocking to, to see him. And so what I want to do this morning is we want to read this, it's going to be up on the screen or there, uh, verses 40 through 45 in Mark chapter 1. Um, but it says, uh, says this. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the... This, this event, this, this interaction with this leper, it shifts so much. And so some of you, I know you're looking at that blank page that's in the bulletin, and you're like, there's no outline, and I'm type A, and I'm already frustrated with you. Here is, here's the outline for you, okay? So we, we see, as we read this, we see a recognition. We see a request, right? We see a restoration, and then we see a reversal. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning um, as, as we read this story. And something I, I really kind of love about this story is it's beautiful and it's gracious. And we see uh, Jesus perform this wonderful miracle in the, this, the life of this man. But this is not a tidy story. It doesn't like wrap up with a little bow on top. Right? It ends with the guy who just got the miracle being disobedient. It's, it seems so, so backwards. Like when we watch movies, if you watch movies, I know some of you are holier than I am, but, but when you watch movies, you kind of want it to wrap up, right? 
Like, you don't want to have all these questions at the end of the movie, or maybe maybe you do like those uh, type of movies, and so you like watching all those fancy artsy films. I like to know what happened, right? I like to watch Remember the Titans. I like to watch the emotional speech that gets the team going, and I like to see them win, right? I, like, you, you, we want that, that event to wrap up, but this story doesn't really do that. It ends with this sort of, awkward interaction or this awkward moment. And so with this recognition, I want to talk a little bit about what, what this man, this leper recognized. So here's this man who sees in Jesus something that's different than where he's seen elsewhere. Okay, so he's a leper. And there are some rules about leprosy that are uh, not fun. Okay? I do not recommend it. Zero out of ten stars for leprosy. Okay, so here is what, what happens. If, you, if you're a leper, there are certain things that you are limited from, and those certain things are everything. Okay, you have to stay 50 paces away from anybody else. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I kind of marked this out this week. It's about the distance from that corner of the room to that corner of the room. You have to stay that far away, and you have to constantly shout, unclean, because you are unclean. All right, so you're, you're walking around, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, don't bump into me by accident, I'm way over here, I'm unclean. All right, some of you that are here this morning and you're introverts, you're like, that sounds like the dream. I want to stay away, nobody talk to me, I'm unclean. But here, this, this, this man, when you're a leper, it's, you're taken out of like everything from society. You can't work, you can't spend time with your family, you're just pushed to the side, and it is basically a death sentence. So to get leprosy, it is, we can't touch you, we can't be around you, because we don't want to get it, so just go outside, don't bother anybody, and, and wait to die. That's largely what happens with lepers, um, and, and we do see a few examples of leprosy being healed even before the ministry of Jesus, but they are incredibly rare. Okay, so the, the, the conversation that rabbis would have, the statement that they would often throw out, was that it was easier to raise someone from the dead than to heal leprosy. Like, the idea of le leprosy being taken care of was just so, so foreign. That, that's, like, they, they thought re resurrection is more common than leprosy being healed. And so they, they had this idea, to, and to put this in an even perspective for all, all of our young families that are here, that especially if you do craft projects at home, it is easier to clean up glitter than to heal leprosy. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, like your kids are full grown out of the house. They have kids of their own and you still have glitter in your carpet, right? Like it didn't go anywhere. So we see this, this, uh, this attitude in Israel about leprosy. And really it's, it, the, the attitude towards leprosy is actually not just for Israel. Everybody thought this other cultures, it was just, it was like, you, you might as well just die if you have leprosy. So here's this man who has to stay 50 paces away. He has to yell unclean constantly. And he's, he's waiting to die. And then here is, is this, this hope. Because he more than likely knows what the rabbis knew, what the priests knew, which is that if leprosy was going to be healed, God would have to do it. Right? 
Uh, in fact, we see in 2 Kings uh, 5, um, chapter 5, we see the story of Naaman. So Naaman gets leprosy, and the king of Syria loves Naaman. He wants Naaman to get better. So he sends Naaman to the king of Israel with a letter asking the king of Israel to heal Naaman. Because the king of Syria has heard these, these amazing things happen amongst God's people. So maybe, maybe they figured out a way to heal leprosy. So I'm going to send Naaman to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel, he reads this letter, and he gets, let's just say, freaked out. All right? So this is, uh, oh, sorry. So this is his response. He says, and when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes, and he said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. So for the king of Israel, he is convinced uh, of two things. One is that being able to cure leprosy is the same as giving somebody life. And he also makes the statement like, am I God? Like only God can do this. And I'm being set up to fail. Right? Like I, I'm being, I'm being, I'm having this weight put on me, this expectation of, well, can you heal Naaman? And I can't do it. So he's convinced that the king of Syria is just looking for a reason to attack him. Like he just, he just wants a fight. So he's asking for something that I can't possibly do. So that way he has a reason to pick this fight. All right. Um, we, we sort of understand a little bit about what it means to put unfair expectations on somebody else. Right? Maybe you have a boss that does that. Maybe, like, a little over a year ago, you put unfair expectations on a guy who's going to be starting for the Broncos today. And no matter what happens, it's going to let you down. Right? So we, 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 we sort of have this, this idea of what that could be. Um, but for the, the, the king here, he's, he's convinced. It's like, only God can heal leprosy. Why, why even ask me? But this leper who is approaching Jesus... He understands something. He sees in Jesus the divine. He understands, Jesus, I, I know that you can heal me. I'm positive of it. You're my last hope. Because other than that, I've got to wait outside the gates to die. But I know that you can heal me. Will you do that? Will you heal me? So this is where this, this request comes in that we see. Uh, this, this leper make. Like, I, I recognize this in you. I recognize that you can heal me of my, my leprosy and that you can give me a normal life again, but will you do it? Will you actually heal me? Will you take this away? Can you quite literally give, give me life again? So what, what I love about this is, is even in, in recognizing it, and he makes that statement like, I know you can if you will. If you're will, willing, you can heal me. So at our house, we have what I, I call like, a, he's our four-year-old motivational speaker. All right? So if you hang out with JW, this is sort of who he is. He is nonstop positivity. Everything is the best. And whatever it is you did, you did a great job of it. Right? So he'd be like, hey, great job mowing the yard. I'm like, thanks. Everybody mows the yard. Uh that's, that's normal, right? And then I, I'll even sometimes think he's being sarcastic. 
A great job tying your shoes. I'm like, really? I'm a 42-year-old man, JW. I can absolutely tie my shoes, right? And then I start to believe it when he's like, hey, dad, awesome job pouring that glass of milk. And I'm like, you know, I did do a pretty good job pouring that glass of milk. Let's, let's invite the neighbors over. Let's let them look at this perfectly poured glass of milk. Um, so if you need to motivate, if you need a, a, like a little bit of a boost, you can hang out with JW. But, but it's this idea that he, he, he praises these things or he, he says, good job on these things that are really seem low bar to us. Like, oh, I, I can do a lot more than pour milk, right? And here's this man who comes to Jesus, and he's like, I know that you can heal leprosy. Of course he can heal leprosy. This is the man who tells demons to go, and they go. He tells them to shut up, and they shut up. This is a man who has ultimate authority. So leprosy is, that's just the beginning. But he says, I know that you can do this. Will you, will you do it? I'm so desperate for you to do this. Like I've, I've, I've spurned the social norms. I've come within arm's reach of you because I want this healing so badly. Will you, will you heal me? Because I know, I know that you can do it. So for, for this request, this is not a question about the authority of Jesus, but his willingness to exercise his authority. Right, so this man understands, like, Jesus can, can tell this leprosy to go away, and, he, and it will. Like, this, I, I love when we, we see these interactions with Jesus. Like, when I was a little kid, I kind of had this thought of, like, oh, Jesus battled demons, and he didn't. He just told them what to do, and they had no choice. Right, there's no, no one's fighting back, they're pleading. <laughs> like, when Jesus tells them, to, he's like, Jesus, don't kill us. Like, that's the response of the demons. So the sickness that that Jesus sees on this man, it creates compassion on him, or in him. He has this pity. And it kind of communicates this idea, the word that's used, it communicates the idea that he's a little angry with the disease. Because this disease is a result of the fall, and Jesus came to undo the fall. Jesus came to heal the sick, and that's what we're going to see, see here. And so I love when... When this man has recognized who Jesus is and he makes this request, will you heal me? We see the restoration take place. And th- what happens in this restoration, it's so important. The order is important. So I want to really quick, uh, we're going to read back in Mark. This is what Jesus says. And this is here in, in verse 41. And if some of you are like kind of looking at the watch, you're like, you're doing verses 40 through 45 and you're just in 41. I know. So, here's what Jesus says. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. What I love about this, this is is Jesus modeling in this moment who he is at his core and the ministry he's come to do. Not just because he's willing to clean the guy, but because he's willing to reach out and touch him before he is clean. He doesn't wait till after. Jesus doesn't say, be clean. Let's shake hands. All right, now, now we can hang out. Now, now we can be on the same level. Jesus, in this moment, he's, he's moved with compassion. He reaches out. He touches this unclean man with leprosy before he cleans him. Now, he doesn't say, I will be clean. It says, immediately the leprosy leaves his body. 
But it's so important to recognize that he, that he touches him first. And we, we might need to hear that this morning. Like you might be here this morning and be thinking, okay, well, what does, what does it mean to be healed by Jesus? What does it mean to be forgiven by Jesus? Because I, I agree with this man, but I think Jesus can forgive me, but I don't know that he will. Because I've, I've sinned so much. My sin is so great. I need, to, I need to clean myself up a little bit before I go to Jesus. I need to try to work some of the kinks out before I go to Jesus. And that's, that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus does here. He touches this man while he's still unclean, making himself ceremonially unclean. Because you can't touch a leper. And here is Jesus spurning the, this, this law of, of what you can and can't touch. So the, I, I, when I was doing some study on this, I found a really helpful note from uh, a pastor who passed away a few years ago named R.C. Sproul. And he, he made this, this illustration of, of Jesus kind of spurning the ceremonial law because it seems weird. But he kind of related it to traffic and how there are certain laws and traffic that you, ha- that you need to follow, right? You stop at a red light. You go at a green light, right? Use your turn signal. Please use your turn signal, people. Um, but there's, there's these laws that get put in place, but all those laws go out of the way when there's a police officer there, right? Because a police officer, like, maybe there's an accident. He's like, hey, go ahead and go. I know the light's red, but I'm directing traffic. So you can, you can kind of break this law right now. And then you feel like a rebel, even though a cop's telling you to do it. Right? But here, Jesus, he's, he's spurring this because he has the authority to. He can touch this man. He can make him clean. But Jesus, he doesn't get this leprosy. He's, he's healing him. And so if you're here today, you're wondering, like, well, I, I'd love to come to Jesus, but I need to get things worked out first. I want to encourage you that there is more forgiveness in him than there are flaws in you. You are loved in the moment, and he'll heal you, and then he'll make you clean. Right? There's more salvation in him than there is sin in you. You haven't outsinned his grace or his mercy. It's, it's abundant. And so this man, he experiences this, and, and something I even wonder, like, what, what was it like for this man who had leprosy, who, since he was diagnosed with leprosy, since he looked down and he saw that spot on his arm, this was likely the first time another person has touched him. Because he's had to stay 50 paces away and yell unclean. And no one's going near him. Right? Nobody wants to go near that guy. He has to follow all of these, these regulations. Like, this is way worse than a mask and six feet apart. Right? This is, I can't be near, I can't build relationships, I can't have these these connections, and then here's Jesus touching him, reaching out this, this human contact that takes place. And then Jesus has this, this conversation with him. And I, and I love this because we need, it, and we need to recognize it. In verse 43, it says, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So he tells this man after healing, 
don't tell anybody. Which seems a little unfair, right? Like you heal. I, I get to rejoin society now, but I got to keep quiet, especially because people are going to say, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be outside the gates? Now he does say, he says, go to the priest and offer the offering that Moses commanded. If you go back and you look in Leviticus 14, there's a lot there. Okay, this is an eight-day process to offer a, a cleansing of leprosy healing. And I would imagine that he, and, and it seems that he did this, that he actually followed through on this part of what Jesus told him to do. And I would imagine he does it all with joy. Every step, as cumbersome as it is, and it is cumbersome. All right? It starts with, taking two birds and you got to kill one in an earthen vessel over fresh water. And then you sprinkle the blood on the other bird and you tie a scarlet ribbon around it and you send it off. And then you have to wash your clothes and you have to shave your whole body. And you got to wait seven days and then you got to wash those clothes and you got to shave your whole body again. Right. And I know like I kind of rock the Mr. Clean look like I'm only shaving my head. Right. This is like a full body shave twice in a week. Like, not, not fun, but this is part of this process. But my guess is this guy was so excited just to be able to get back into society. Why, why be upset about it? So he, it seems like he probably does this aspect. He goes to the priest. The priest is probably freaked out because they don't see this. Because they think that it's easier to raise the dead than it is to heal leprosy. So here comes this man who was as good as dead, saying, I'm clean, let me, let, me, let me give the offering so I can be back, back in the standing I need to be. And so this, this restoration that takes place, it's, it's so, so beautiful, especially when we're reminded that Jesus touched him first. This compassion he had for us first. And then, and, and actually with this conversation that he has where he tells him, hey, go, don't tell anybody, but go to the priest. Then it says this. But he went out and he began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So what I find so fascinating about this, this reversal here is, and, and even just this moment and why it's not tidy is that this man just was healed of leprosy and one of the first things he does is disobey what Jesus told him to do. Does that like kind of make you a little angry? Right? Like, how can you disobey Jesus when he just told you not to do this? Plus, how hard is it to just not tell people? I, I struggle with this. Like, if I get a, if, I, if we have like a Christmas gift that's hiding somewhere, I'm really, I, I do a bad job of wanting to keep it secret. And so I, I sympathize with, with the guy there. But this is not any different than us experiencing the forgiveness that's only found in Christ and being told explicitly, go and make disciples of all nations, and we don't. It's the same thing. And so he goes out and he starts talking about it freely. And then this is where the reversal takes place because all of a sudden, this man's disobedience and the outcome of his disobedience does not fall on him, it falls on Jesus. Because he's out telling everybody, hey, here's what, here's what Jesus did. Here's what Jesus did. So now everybody wants to follow Jesus. All of these unclean people. In fact, we see in Mark 3, and we'll get there here in a few weeks, 
But Mark uh, chapter 3, starting in verse 7, it says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and um, Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him um, because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. So we see that this crowd grows. It goes from a few people where he's still able to navigate within the city to where he can't go in the city. He has to go out to the desolate places because the crowd is so big. In fact, the crowd gets so big, he has to have like an exit strategy. Right? So this isn't like, you know, T. Swift and her bodyguards leaving a concert. This is, uh, he's got these, like, failures of disciples that are following him. And he's like, hey, just get a boat ready because there's, the crowd's so big, we're just going to have to push out in the lake. Right? So here is this, this, this consequence of this man's disobedience falls on Jesus. And all of a sudden, this man who was stuck outside the gate, who couldn't go near people, he can now walk freely through town. And he can have dinner with his family, and he can work, and he can go to the marketplace, and now it's Jesus who can't enter into the town. Now it's Jesus who's in these desolate places. He's, they, they've, they've switched spots. This reversal of situations. Now, for this, uh, th- this is not because Jesus himself was, was unclean. This wasn't because he had leprosy, but because he was drawing the kind of crowd that was unclean. And so they're constantly around him. They're constantly pursuing him. And Jesus doesn't have any problem uh, calling out a, a group of, uh, sorry, I'm way, way behind on this. So, uh, but anyway, he, he's aware of the motives of the crowds that are following him. Jesus is, he's not clueless to this. In fact, we see in, in John chapter 6, and, and I love how he sort of calls out this crowd. He says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Like, you're just following me because your bellies are full. And I'm keeping you fed. It's not because you want me, it's just you want the things I can give you. Said every parent on Christmas morning. Right? Like, you just want... You want the things I can give you, but you don't really want this the relationship with me. You're not following me to be with me. You're following me to, to have this stuff. And so these crowds are gathered around, and they're, they're coming from every quarter. Like you, you saw that list of areas in John. I mean, in Mark three. I mean, people are com- coming from everywhere. Even at the end of this passage, it says they were coming to him from every quarter. He's no longer just a local sensation in Galilee. Now his his notoriety is starting to grow. His, his following is growing. The, the crowds are, are getting bigger. And for Jesus, his motivation is the same. Like he, came to, he came to share the gospel. The kingdom is here. There's forgiveness. And this offer that he makes to, to this leper, or the offer the healing that he provides to this leper, it's still, it's still true today. He's willing today. He's capable today to forgive you, to heal you. 
He's willing today to take that reversal. To where not only does he take your sin and the consequences of your sin, the punishment of your sin, he also gives you his righteousness. This reversal that takes place where all of a sudden you go from being an orphan to being a father of the king of heaven. I mean, a son or a daughter of the king of heaven. You have a heavenly father. You have this, this great reversal that takes place. All of a sudden you, you belong. All of a sudden you're, you're his. So I want to encourage you this morning. If you're wondering, like, is, is, is he really willing to forgive me? Is he really willing? Is, does he mean that? He does. Jesus doesn't say what he doesn't mean. So even on Friday night at our life group, we were having this conversation about this passage with this guy who goes off and he starts telling everybody. It was like, well, do you think he maybe kind of wanted him to tell? Like, no, I don't think he did, personally. Because I don't think Jesus says what he doesn't mean. Right? He always says what he means. Just like, you know, he may have known that that was going to happen. Right? He knew Peter was going to deny him three times, but he didn't want it to happen. He knew Judas was going to betray him, but he didn't want it to happen. And so the consequence of this guy receiving this grace, receiving this mercy, and then going and, and being disobedient, and then also being able to be free of the consequences of it, Jesus also doesn't hunt, hunt him down, right? Like, hey, I told you not to tell people, and you did. Leprosy's back. Why don't you think about that outside the gates now when you disobey? Like, that's not what Jesus does. He he lets this man walk free. He takes on the, these, these consequences of it. So even if you're here this morning, like, you know, I know I believe that Jesus has forgiven me, but I've, but I've continued to sin. Continued to disobey. I've continued to walk in a, in a way that, that's unworthy of the sacrifice Jesus gave for me that does not render his grace and mercy void in your life. It just means you need it. Like we all do. So I want to encourage you this morning to be reminded that, that Jesus is not, he's not in the business of waiting for you to fix yourselves before he heals you. He's in the business of healing you and then making you clean. And then calling you more and more into obedience. Because that is important. But this offer of grace and this mercy, it is ours for today. He is more than capable today. He is willing today. So let's pray. And we're going to continue on in worship. Um, and then towards the end of the service, if this is you and you're wrestling with this, you're going to have a chance um, after, we, after we sing a few more songs to, to maybe respond and be prayed with. Um, so I want to encourage you to, to be ready for that. Uh, but let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you are a God who touches the leper before he's clean. We thank you that that you died for us while we were still sinners. That you took our debt, you took the punishment of our sin to the cross, that there on the cross, bearing the wrath of God that was due to our sin, you paved the way for us to be forgiven. And that three days later, you rose from the dead, mm -hmm. conquering death, and giving us your righteousness. 
And so, Lord, I pray that for those of us that are here that are, that are wondering if this offer is for us, I pray that you will remind us that it is. And for those of us who are wondering, have I, have I outsinned you, your grace? Have I, have I run too far? But let's be reminded that, that your arms are a lot further than we can run. Yes. That you are still willing today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you'd like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org.